Good morning. And Happy New Year to you all. Good to be together. Um, yeah, we're starting a new series on faith this morning. Um, and yeah, I've been, I think many of you remember, we're going to put this here, I think hopefully most of you can see that. Um, many of you remember that um, we've been talking over the last few months about this sense of what God is up to, what God is doing, this sense of stepping into the new, this sense of seeing more people coming to faith, seeing more people um, healed, seeing more signs of the miraculous. We've been talking about the more, the sense of momentum um, that God has and this idea, the prophetic words that have been coming through. And what's really encouraging is I was... um, I was at an event back in November, December, I think it might have been uh, December, um, at Windsor, um, at Windsor Castle. And um, it was a retreat for um, some church leaders. And um, apparently it's a thing that happens every year. Um, this is the first year I've been invited. And um, some church leaders gather together for a couple of days um, and take some time to pray together, to listen to what else is going on around the country. We bring some speakers in, and uh, we had some, a couple of speakers. There was one guy who is um, a professor emeritus at Cambridge on um, theology, and he was phenomenal. Um, and then we had a guy um, called Julian Adams from South Africa who was prophetic, and, and this collection of dynamic church leaders. And it was a really exciting event. Because actually what they were all talking about, what they were hearing, what they were sensing, what they were seeing, what they were prophesying was the same thing. That 2020 is going to be a really dramatic year in the kingdom of God. That this sense of we're going to see um, an awakening and maybe a revival, a, a real stirring of the spirit. And so it's very encouraging, and whilst I was there, I heard this guy, one of the things, one of the speakers was talking about faith, and it just inspired me. I was kind of going, you know, I think faith is probably what we need to be talking about as we step into the new year. This is what we need to be um, thinking about. This is what we need to be stirring, because if God is calling us into something new, then we're going to need faith to step into that. In uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it talks, it talks about faith. And it talks about faith, Hebrews chapter 11, sorry. It talks about faith being confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And I think that's kind of, that feels like where we are. What does it look like to step into this new one? We're not quite sure. And it's not just about the, this idea that we're going to see significant numbers of people come to faith. And we've already begun to see some of that. And this idea that we're going to see um, healings and um, miracles, because we've already started to see some of that in a, in a small way, in our senses that that's going to be much bigger. But we're also having some really exciting conversations about, well, what, what happens with this place? What is God wanting us to do here? Um, Ideas that have been spinning in my mind about maybe expanding this space and um, creating more space for um, the community and doing more um, projects and initiatives and enabling more people to join in. And, and those ideas have been around for a little while, but actually maybe there's a sense that some of those might 
might be getting some momentum. There's some really interesting conversations going on with um, council and with health and with all the different agencies, and they're kind of going, okay, maybe, maybe now there's some, something that we need to look at about maybe increasing the size of this place, maybe even doubling the size of this place, or whatever that might look like. And what does that look like, and how do we step into that? And then there's conversations around Yo for Family, and Yo for Family has been this really exciting um, project. For those of you who don't know, um, we've been running this project since 2012, um, just supporting families, um, maybe who are in crisis, who are in a little bit of chaos, and um, that just started with supporting one or two families, and then we ended up supporting maybe a dozen families, and then we trained um, some people to do the same thing, and then we started supporting maybe 20, 25 families, and then, and then the council approached us, we go, we've got and social services approaches, and we've got loads more families we like to work with, and then um, we were asked, we were given a contract, and then that kind of grew, and then suddenly we were working with 180 families um, across three years, and then that has continued to grow, and, and actually just trying to keep that going sometimes feels like a real act of faith to get the funding to do that, but then suddenly maybe we're in conversations where we're going to see that grow in the next year, and maybe even see that double in size, maybe even more. And we go, well, what does this look like, and how do we do this? And we're going to need some faith for this sort of thing. So I thought it'd be worthwhile talking about faith for a little while. Now I've got you all suitably nervous. <sighs> Let's talk about faith a little bit. Now in Mark chapter 5, we see this story. It's one of my favorite stories about this woman um, and she's had this condition where she's been bleeding for, for 12 years, which has meant all sorts of hardships and challenges and isolation from the community. But then she sees that Jesus is around and she pushes through the crowd and she touches the edge of his cloak and she is instantly healed. I'm not going to get into a big sermon about that story, but Jesus turns to her and says, your faith has saved you. It's an interesting idea, isn't it? And then we see this story in Matthew chapter 8 of this centurion. Not a Jew, not one of Jesus' people, a Roman, an occupier. But he approaches Jesus and says, my daughter's sick and I, will you just speak the word and I know that she'll be healed. Like, you don't have to come, don't bother yourself traveling I command an army, and so I know that if I say for this to be done, it'll be done, and you are the same because you're the Messiah, so if you just say the word, they'll be healed. And Jesus says, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. So there's such a thing as great faith. So there's faith that can get us saved or healed, and there's such a thing as great faith. But later on in that chapter, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, why do you have so little faith? And that's not the only time we see him saying that. There seems to be a few conversations between Jesus and his disciples where he's talking about them having so little faith. When they're in a storm, and, and they wake Jesus up because they're afraid. Jesus gets up and goes, why do you have so little faith? And then gets up and calms the storm. Was Jesus expecting them to do that on their own? Like, what was his criticism there? There's another time, and there's, trying to, there's this child um, that is... Um, got a spirit, and, and they can't cast it out. And then she, they say to Jesus, well, why couldn't we do that? Because Jesus cast it out, and he goes, oh, you have such little faith. 
So there's such a thing as little faith, and there's such a thing as faith, and there's such a thing as great faith. And in Acts chapter 5, I think, um, Acts chapter 6, we see Stephen. We see a story of Stephen, and Stephen is described as being someone who is full of faith. So we've got such little faith. We've got faith. We've got great faith and full of faith. What does it look like to be full of faith? You see, it seems to suggest that faith is this measurable thing. So I don't know where you're at, whether you're someone who just has a little bit of faith. Maybe that'll get us through. You might be someone who just has faith. We can get into the half full or half empty conversation, but someone who just has faith, or maybe you have great faith. Any people claiming great faith this morning? Maybe we're full of faith. What does that look like? And you might be, see, there's this idea that faith is measurable. It's this measurable thing. It's this sort of currency. And I think sometimes when we think about faith, oh, well, what is it that made this person able to be healed and this person not able to be healed? And we see Jesus saying things like, oh, well, it's your faith has healed you. And then we turn it into this sort of formula. Oh, if I, if I just believe hard enough, if I just have enough faith, then God has to do whatever I want him to do. And we kind of look for this formula in our faith because formulas always put us back in control. So if you give me the formula, I can do it. And we, maybe we try and think about faith as a formula, and then we can tie ourselves up in all sorts, of, all sorts of knots. We can get ourselves in all sorts of unhelpful ideas about, oh, well, hmm, I've prayed for your healing, but you weren't healed. So I can only assume that your faith wasn't enough, which is quite damaging. If somebody's already in a difficult situation, we're praying for healing, and they're not healed, we go, well, that's probably a problem with your faith. Not only have you got your medical condition, you've now got a faith condition too. Be blessed on your way. Have a great week. Like, what? It's not a very kind thing to do, and I don't think that's how it works. But I think faith is this currency in our relationship with God. In Romans chapter 12, it talks about each of us being given a measure of faith and that we should consider ourselves soberly according to the measure each of us is given. Well, that's an interesting idea, isn't it? Maybe we're not in control at all of how much faith we have. Maybe God just gives us our faith, and that's it. And you might have already got a little bit of faith, and you might have got loads of faith, and I might just have an average amount of faith. Like, maybe we're all just given our faith. And that, that sometimes, I think, can lead to some unhelpful ideas. You go, well, yeah, faith's not my thing. You know, God's just, you know, because then that can lead us to being quite passive. And we look at these great heroes of the faith, and we go, yeah, but that's them, you see. It's all right for them. They've got great faith. I've just got... I'm nobody really, I've just got, I've got a faith. It's not really me. I, 
Oh, I wish. It's so, oh, if I had their faith, imagine what I could do. It can lead us again quite jealous or envious of people. It can lead us into quite unhelpful mindsets because we leave the spiritual work to the people of great faith and we just be, kind of become the passengers. But each of us is given a measure of faith. And there's this reality, isn't there, in Scripture when we talk about coming into this relationship with God that everything God has is at our disposal. Everything God is is at our disposal. So whilst faith might be this thing which is given to us in measure, are we using all the faith that's available to us? Are we growing our faith? You might go, Adam, that's an interesting idea. How do we grow our faith? And maybe that's something we should talk about this morning. How do we grow our faith? You see, in Hebrews 11, it says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You see, there's more going on here. There's more going on here. And do we see things the way that we all see things, that the world sees things? Do we see things just by the various measurables that we all have? Or do we see what God is up to? Do we see where this is all headed? Do we see that this is all part of this great trajectory towards the restoration of all things? Do we see the things that God is up to? Do we recognize God in the details and in the moments? Do we work by God's economy or do we work by our own economy? Do we work by God's measures or do we work by our own measures? See, I think this is about perspective. Stepping into the things that God is calling us into. Stepping into the things that God is calling us to do. Seeing things the way God sees things. Seeing our finances the way God sees our finances. Seeing our career the way God sees it. Seeing our family, seeing our children, seeing our marriages seeing our church the way God sees it, seeing our community the way God sees it. This is about perspective. We're part of a bigger story. God's economy is different. God's reality is different. And I think church is really important here because this is, faith is something that we do together. And I think sometimes we can see it as a really individual thing. But then there's this story in the Bible where there's this guy who's sick and there's this crowd of people and these, this guy's friends, this guy's paralyzed, and this guy's friends want to get him to Jesus, but the place is crammed full. There's no way in, certainly not with a guy on a stretcher. You can't just go nudging your way to the front like you do uh, a concert. So they climb up on the roof and they cut a hole in the roof. Do not know what the homeowner thought about that, but they cut a hole in the roof and they lowered this guy down right in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, it says in the Bible, Jesus saw the faith of his friends 
and forgave his sins. What? That didn't happen in any Sunday school I grew up in. Hold on a minute. I thought I was saved by my faith. But it seems that, in this circumstance, the faith of his friends is what saved him. Faith is something we do with each other. This is what church is about. It's relational. This is all about how we relate with each other, but also faith is about our relationship with God. And faith is the currency in our relationship with God. You see, the more that we push into God, the more we absorb ourselves in God, the more we allow God to permeate us and every part of us, the more we see things his way. The more we understand his economy and his currency, the more we understand his perspective, his reality, the more we understand who we are and who we're created to be. But it's about relationship, not formula. It's not about just trying a bit harder. It's about pushing in deeper with our creator and our savior and our God. You see, faith is the journey. There's a famous passage where it says, so these three remain faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And I remember, I can't remember whether it was a conversation or I heard someone speaking once. This is a while ago down. He said the reason that he talks about it in this way is because love is eternal. When all things come to their fruition, when heaven and earth are renewed and restored, love remains. But there won't be any need for hope or faith then because we will be in the fullness of all things. Hope is holding on to these things which are not yet realized. So when the day comes when all things are realized, what need is there for hope anymore? All things are realized. All things have come to fruition. And so love remains. But what that means is that hope and faith are the journey towards. Faith is the journey. You see, we can think about these giants of the faith. And I don't know how you view your own faith. I mean, for instance, there's this guy called George Muller. I work with the churches a little bit up in Bristol, and in Bristol they have this, they have charity called Muller's, and they have, um, and George Muller was this guy in Bristol, long, long time ago, set up this orphanage, um, and he was a man of great faith, transformed Bristol in many ways. And if you read his memoirs, very often you'll find stories where, you know, the, there is no food, and they getting the children up in the morning and there's no food for breakfast. And so he would lay the table and he would sit them all down and he would say grace and he would thank them for the food that God had provided. And then there's all these sorts of stories about the, the milk truck axle breaking right outside the door 
and they had to give it somewhere. So they gave it to them, the bread truck, the wheel falling off the bread truck. And suddenly there's all this bread there in the morning because it's got to go somewhere. Miraculous provisions of food on on a frequent basis. And this is a guy who um, was traveling, first time, traveling to America. He was on this ship and he's traveling to America. And he had a meeting in New York and the ship, but the ship dropped anchor just off New York. And he went up to see the captain. He said, what's going on? He said, oh, the fog is too thick. We can't dock until the fog lifts. He said, but I've got a meeting that I need to be at and I don't, I need to make it. And the captain went, well, look at the fog. Like, tough. We can't dock until the fog lifts. He goes, well, then we better pray. So he knelt down with the captain and prayed, and he thanked God for this meeting and said, this is an appointment that you made, God, and I, you know, I, I intend to keep it, so I want to thank you for lifting the fog and uh, enabling me to make my meeting, enabling us to dock. And, uh, and the captain started praying, and George Muller went, no, no need. <laughs> no need for two reasons. Firstly, you're a man of no faith. And secondly, I believe God's already done it. And they stood up, and the fog had lifted. And they docked, and he made his meeting. That's a man of faith, right? And we hear these stories, and we're kind of going, can you imagine? Can you imagine being there for a start? But also, can you imagine being the person that has that level of faith? And we look at these people who are full of faith. And we kind of go, how did they get like that? How do we do that? Because... Whilst I understand, you know, I mean, sometimes and it's beautiful being around people who are full of faith, but sometimes we kind of go, oh, but I just feel like I've just got this little bit of faith. And the other thing is, sometimes I think we, we leak, right? So even if we've got a little bit, sometimes we can just kind of leak away over time because maybe we're still telling the same stories that we were telling 20 years ago, or we're still, like, is our faith up to date? It's our faith up to the next thing that God has for us. You see, what's encouraging about this is Jesus also says, you only need faith the size of a mustard seed. And if you say to this mountain to be thrown in the sea, it will be thrown into the sea. So Jesus is also saying, you know, you don't need to be people of great faith. You don't need to be people who are full of faith. If you just have a little bit of faith, you can do this. Which is good news, right? (laughs) Maybe we're all kind of going, huh, okay, I'm still in the game. All right, good. We can do this. The other thing about that is we need mountains. I think sometimes we can kind of think that Oh, these people of great faith, they never have any trouble. They never have any problems. They never have any hardship. They never have any struggling. They never have any suffering. They never have any pain. Oh, if I had the blessed lives that they have, well, I could have faith. The reality is we'd never know, would we? Their lives probably aren't that blessed and pain-free and struggle-free and whatever. Actually, when they encounter a mountain, their faith kicks in. And they're not thrown by it. They're not distracted by it. They're not put off by it. We need mountains. There is no promise 
in Scripture that are, if we come to Jesus, that we will be problem-free for the rest of our lives. In fact, we're following a Savior who was crucified, who says, take up your cross and follow me. There is no promise there of issue-free, pain-free, hardship-free life. In fact, there is a promise there of issues and pain and hardship. Which is why we need to be people of faith. This isn't stuff that comes easy. We need mountains. You see, faith is risk. Faith is challenge. Faith is hardship. Faith is struggle. Faith is being asked to do something that you do not want to do or do not feel capable of doing in your own strength. That's when faith comes into its own. You know, a tea bag, I don't think Rob Rage is here this morning, but a tea bag is a pretty useless thing, right? Unless it comes into contact with hot water. And then it comes into its own. Outside of hot water, it's pretty nondescript. It's pretty pathetic. It's a pretty irrelevant thing. But put it in hot water. And it comes into its own, right? And in fact, the longer it's in hot water, the stronger it becomes. The more impact it has. Our faith comes into its own when we hit struggles, when we come into hot water. Faith is about risk. Sometimes I think we, you know, God might be stirring us, or times in our life, or now, might be stirring us to do things. We go, oh, actually, well, yeah, but when I get past that, when I get past that, and when that situation calms down, and when, when I've got my finances sorted out, when I've got this sorted out, then, God, I will step into whatever it is that you're asking me to step into. And I think God's like, I don't think you get faith at all. Don't do it when it's convenient. Don't do it when all the, all the circumstances have come together to make it obvious or easy. If I'm asking you to step into something, step into it. Be people of faith. Let your faith grow. How's your faith? How's our faith as a church? You know, we have great stories of faith. Look at this building that we're in. If you go back 20 years, what a journey of faith that these different church communities could come together, could raise the funds, could make this happen. And then on the day they moved in to this 1.25 million pound project, moved in debt free, that's a story of great faith. What an amazing thing to be able to do. What an amazing experience of the power of God, of what faith can do. But it's 20 years ago. Are we still telling that story? Or are there new stories for us to tell?
Are there new steps of faith for us to take? How do we grow our faith? How do we prevent ourselves from leaking a little bit, from becoming a bit stagnant, from grinding to a halt? You know, I think when a lot of churches, when a lot of people, when a lot of the community, when a lot of other Christians look at us, they go, look at that church, that's a church of faith. And I think we are. Look at what we do. Look at all the things that happen here. But let's not get complacent. Let's not get comfortable. Let's not get self-sufficient. Let's not become risk-averse. Because when we become risk-averse, we become faith-averse. Let's be people. Let's be a church that sees that as a step on the journey, not the journey itself. This isn't the end. This building isn't the end of the story. It's just the step on the story. And what's the next step and the next step and the next step? And I think we build... I'll tell you a bit of my own story. Because you might think, well, Adam, how have you ended up here? And, you know, you might look at me and go, well, gee, you're always talking about these great ideas and these big things. You must be this great man of faith. And I kind of go, well, I don't know if I always feel like a great man of faith. But sometimes we just need enough faith for today. See, I remember being 20 years old, and I'd had a I was brought up in the church, but I had a really difficult experience with the church when I was about 18, and I didn't really like church very much, and I didn't really like Christians that much, and I didn't, you know, me and God had this relationship, and I remember I was being about 20 years old, and I remember sitting on my bed, and, and God had just told me that he wanted me to go to Bible college. Now, for someone who was trying to avoid Christians, Bible college was not the place to hang out. And... Um, I, I was like, oh, come on, God. And then Rachel and I just started going out, and she was like, Adam, what's going on? I was like, I feel like God wants me to go to Bible college. She was like, well, you better go then. I was like, thanks for your support. <laughs> and um, I was like, I don't want to go, and if I'm going to go, then it needs to be this Bible college, and it needs to be this year, because I'm not messing about, and I'm, if I just let's get it done, let's get it out of the way, and, and I haven't got any money, and, and you know, they'll probably be full because it's only in two or three months' time. And Rachel's about to go off to university. And I, had all the, I saw all the problems. But I had enough faith. I had enough faith to pick up the phone and call them. When I called them, they said, yeah, we've been waiting for your call. God told us that someone was going to apply really late and they really needed a space, so we kept one back for them. And you're it. I was like, great. <laughs> I said, you need to understand I haven't got any money. They went, yeah, no, it's a fully funded place. It's yours. I was like, fabulous. <laughs> so I went to Bible college. And God and I had a whole experience there. And it was there. Then God said, you know, actually, one day I'm going to want you to really step out and probably go into ministry for me. And I was kind of going, oh, God, I'll do anything for you, but please don't make me lead a church. And he went, sorry, you've got some time. And I went off and I worked in business. And then one day, like a decade later, I was driving. And God spoke to me really clearly. He went, I want you to go to Spring Harvest. And I was like, come on. That's even more Christians in one place. What am I going to do about that? Because I went to go to Spring Harvest. And I was like, oh, come on, it's really late. And it's all full. And it starts in three weeks' time, and I, that's ridiculous. And look, I've got this family. We've got three kids at this point. Rachel's 
six months pregnant, I think, at this point, and I'm like, come on, that's not really very practical. But I stopped the car, and I called Rachel, and I went, I think God wants us to go to Spring Harvest. She went, okay, I'll make a call, I'll see what's going on. And she called the woman in our church who coordinated it. And uh, she said, that's weird. We just had a family of six pull out this morning. So there's a space free. You can all go. And we're like, okay, but financially that's difficult. And Rachel went and opened the mail. And there was a tax return for the exact amount to the pound of the cost. You kind of go, God, you're showing off now. (laughs) It's unnecessary, this stuff. But you see, I'd had enough faith. See, I'd only had a little bit of faith, and I had enough faith just to make the phone call. So we went to Spring Harvest. And uh, they, they did this thing where they, in the main arena, they would, do the main, they would do the same talk twice every morning, and Rachel listened to the talk in the morning. And then she came to me, she went, you need to go into that seminar. And I was going, oh, I was going to go to do something else. She went, no, no, I feel like you need to go into that seminar. And I was like, okay. And I had just enough faith to listen to my wife and uh, go into that seminar. And it was there that God said, right, I want you to leave your job. And I want you to go into ministry. And I was like, come on, I've got no training and I've got no experience and I really don't know what I'm doing. And, and YCC, we're advertising for a youth leader and I didn't know anything about YCC because I was from Manchester and you know, the civilization and motorways and things. I didn't know about this place. And, and I was like, well, okay. So then I, I called up and I asked, for a, I asked for an application form. And I had just enough faith to ask for an application form. But I didn't have enough faith to fill it in. Because it's a pretty big church. And I, you know, I don't really want to do this. And did we really want to relocate? And did we really want to? So I didn't really want to do it. And so then I... Then Steve Hart called me up and went, you've not applied. I was like, yeah, I know, I've not applied. He went, well, why have you not applied? I was like, I'm just not, I'm, I am just, this job is so beyond me. I just don't think I'm the right guy. And he went, well, why don't you let us be, just, why don't you let us decide that? I was like, fine. So I applied. I was very honest. What experience do you have? Very little. Why do you want this job? Not sure I do. <laughs> Very honest. But they contacted me and went, we'd like to rewrite you for an interview. And I went, are you mad? Are you crazy? Did you read the application form? But I had just enough faith to go for the interview. And I told myself that it would be good practice. So I had just enough faith to go for the interview. And I came down and I did the interview. And, uh, and they offered me the job. And he said, would you like to accept? I went, I have no idea. I'm not, I need to talk to my wife. And they went, well, we kind of thought you might have spoken to your wife before you came for the interview. And I was like, I was never going to get this job. Like, this was never going to happen. You guys are crazy. What are you doing appointing me? And he went, well, we'll give you a week. And I went home, and our house had been on for sale for months. Beautiful little cottage overlooking this valley. Beautiful. And it had been for sale for months, and our estate agent going, it just makes no sense, it's a beautiful property, and it's idyllic, and all the other properties are just going within days, and yours has just been there for months. And I was like, it's all right. When we know where we're going, God will sell it. And I got home, and I said, Rachel, you'll never guess what. They've offered me the job. And she went, you'll never guess what. We've sold the house. 
I was like, oh my goodness, God, you're showing off again. And we took this step of faith. And so then we went, oh, but do we really want this job? And that's a long way away. And do we really feel up for this? And, and, we, and we sat and we did all the pros and the cons. And uh, you can come up, Jim, whenever you're ready. I, and we did all the pros and the cons. And then we just went, actually, do you know what? The only question is, does, is this where God wants us to be or not? And we both looked at each other and went, this is exactly where God wants us to be. And so we came and did the job. But the problem was, I had a fairly good job. And the salary being offered here was less than half of the salary that I was on. And we just had our fourth child. And we had nowhere to live down here. And it didn't make any sense financially. And it didn't make any sense career-wise. And it didn't make any sense leaving all our family that was up in Manchester, God's city. And it didn't make any sense to move down here. But God said, do it. And we had just enough faith to move. When we got here, Colin and Margaret Gibbs moved out of their home and gave us their home for four months whilst we tried to figure out where to live and what to do. People of great faith. And then someone came to our door and said, no, I need to know what to pray for. What sort of house do you need? We went, what do you mean? She went, well, how many bedrooms? You've got four children, so I imagine you want a four-bedroom house. We went, well, that, I mean, yes, but that's crazy. It's ridiculous. We'll never be able to afford that. And she went, well, let's, let's find out what school do you need to be near? We go, well, we need to be near, we need to be near um, Milford School because that's the school the children are going to go to. And what, and what else? What do you need in the house? And we're going, why? She went, well, I just need to know what to pray for. So she got her list and she went off and prayed. And the next week, we found this house and God confirmed to us that this was the right house. We'd, in fact, we'd been offered a much bigger, nicer house and going, actually, you can have this house. If it's the right house for you, you can have this house and just pay whatever you can afford. Who gets that sort of offer? And we went around and this house was beautiful. And God told us really clearly that's not the right house. And we had just enough faith to say no. <laughs> which is really important. And, and so then we found the right house, but it was beyond us financially. But then our old church gave us a gift, and somebody anonymously gave us a gift, and some other people gave us a gift, and suddenly we had a bank account with 26,000 pounds in it that wasn't there before, and we're going, I don't understand how this works. And I was, we went to chat to our mortgage advisor at the bank, and they went, so what you're telling us is you want to double the size of your mortgage and you've halved your income. I went, yeah. And he went, why? That doesn't make sense. I went, no. I said, but we were in debt when we arrived here. Now we've got £26,000 in our account, and I can't explain that either. So why don't we just roll with this? And we had enough faith to go with that. And so did the bank, which is mysterious. And, and we went with it. And we got a house. And sometimes we've had more than enough, and sometimes we've not had enough. And... But God always gets us through. And you see, each time, we had just enough faith for the next step. And that's how we grow our faith. So you might look at this and go, well, how are we going to see hundreds of people come to faith? I don't have faith for that. That's all right. But you have faith for one. Do you have enough faith to go and tell your neighbor or to share your story with your colleague at work? 
or to take time to listen to somebody. You might say, I don't have faith to see hundreds of people being healed, but do you have faith for one? Do you have enough faith to pray for healing for somebody, whether they're healed or not? And if we all have enough faith for the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, then we can become a church that has just enough faith, and 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 just enough faith, faith, until we're full and running over. Wouldn't it be beautiful to be that church? So as God is calling us into the new, I don't know what enough faith looks like for you. I don't know what the thing is. And maybe God has been telling you to take this step of faith and you've been waiting for the right time for when it's convenient, when all the cars fall in the right order, for when all the, everything is in place. And God's going, just do it and see what I will do. Have you got enough faith to make the phone call? You see, because people might say to me, Adam, how do you have faith that this building is going to double in size or the other family is going to double in size or treble in size? How do you have faith for all of that? And I go, because I had enough faith to pick up the phone. I had enough faith to come for the interview. I had enough faith to go and talk to the mortgage advisor. And God does the rest. Let's be people who grow in faith. Let's be people who take the next step. As we worship, as we respond, I want us to respond with communion. We're going to serve communion around, I think. So if our service can come up. And whenever you're ready... Whenever you're ready, go and take communion. A small piece of bread, a small cup of wine. Let it be a commitment to have just enough faith for today. And for some of us, that faith might not even be witnessing to somebody. It might be showing up to work again because that's where God told us to be even though I'm, it's driving me mad. It's the last instruction God gave me and it's where I'm going to show up. It might be loving our families the best way we can even like we feel like we're spinning out of control. Do you have enough faith for today? you have enough faith to take the next step and cumulatively look around and see how many other people are taking communion with you with just enough for today and be emboldened by it be encouraged by it because we do this together sometimes it requires the faith of our friends to get us through we could do with three or four people to come and help serve if that's possible
And why don't the rest of us stand and we'll pray as we go into worship. Lord, we want to thank you for your faithfulness. We want to thank you that you love us, that you know us, that you call us. We want to thank you for the plans you have for us. Plans to prosper us, plans to grow us, plans to see this town transformed, plans to see your name known, plans to see people coming into relationship with you, plans to see people healed people encountering you in new ways. And Lord, we want to thank you that you invite us to join in. We want to thank you for the measure of faith you've given each one of us. And Lord, help us to be people who grow that faith by exercising our faith. Lord, we declare today that we want to be people of faith. We want to be people of great faith. We want to be a church that is full of faith as we embark on this new stage of the journey. Let us not be risk averse. Let us be filled with faith and filled with hope. And all the people said, Amen.